Hi, all you crystal meth heads. That's what I've decided to call our listeners now. <laughs> crystal That's meth heads. Yeah. Yeah, we had 3,000 downloads. So, yay! Way. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but that's a good that's a lot. milestone. Yeah, 3,000 is quite a big number. Yeah, for 3,000 people listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank everyone good. for listening to our last podcast, The Hammer Horror. I think it was a really good one. And on that, I have some comments from David Miller. So David Miller has mentioned, because I posted pictures of the films, like one of which was Mark's segment, which was on, what was it, Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. Hyde. So David Miller said, always ranked Ralph Bates as a psycho. And I was like, oh, right, okay. Ralph Bates, I guess, is the guy that plays uh, Dr. Jekyll. Yeah. Yeah. And then I said, Martin Beswick, a.k.a. Sister Hyde, is the hero. So, yeah, he is a psycho. And then, Mark, Dave, and Mark, David said, he also played the evil Warlegging in the original TV production of Poldark back in the mid-70s. And he was a bad bastard in that as well. And I thought, oh, well, I, I, thought say, I thought you said he was Poldark, but no, he wasn't. He was Warlegging. Although I'm realising that I think when I was researching who he was, it just said star of Poldark, so I decided uh, that. Poldark. <laughs> so I mentioned that to David. I said, oh, Martin obviously got that wrong then. And then David went, nah, it was Robin Ellis who played Ross Poldark in 75, 76. He also played the judge in the most recent series. So I get, I mean, David Miller's old enough to know he was actually there when that broadcast, so I guess he would know. <laughs> He's the expert. I mean, yeah, he is more likely to know than me. Yeah, yeah I think maybe when I was reading his biography, not his entire biography, I didn't have that. Like, when I was reading like, his little wiki bio, I think it said start off Poldark, so I just decided that meant that he was Poldark, forgetting that, <laughs> yeah, I guess the cast would have more than one person in it. Yeah. Well, that was just a wee connection from last week's podcast. And also, before we start, I just want to mention that I got sent in the post the most mad shit like, I'm talking about a, scient- a mad scientist, and, oh, before oh. I do that, what are we talking about this week? Remember what we said last week? I don't even know what title this, we're going to have to find a title. Yeah, yeah we're talking about things that we think are interesting that have actually happened, and we think that you would think they're interesting too, and which is a nice like, like, name for the episode. <laughs> Like weird, weird shit, shit that actually like, happens. Weird shit, yeah. but actually yeah. happens. They, they could yeah. have been perceived as myths. Strange but true. It's a strange yeah, well, that's already taken, isn't it? But we're yeah. we own that. Copyright us. <laughs> <laughs> weird so shit. So I'm tal
fucking I don't even know who agrees to publish this shit it should be made illegal honestly I know there's like free press and free speech and all this but this is just outright conspiracy propaganda bullshit it's called the light and it says people funded paper but it should be like mentally ill people funded paper because this is shit and it says the headline says here the science delusion and it's all about you know these nutters these anti-vaxxers and like how they want to speak truth to power and like <laughs> claim that all the deaths are nothing from covid and it's all oh lies God. and then down the bottom it says have money and power corrupted all science <laughs> all <laughs> claims about viruses as pathogens are false dr oh stefan lanka who's probably a bullshit doctor but surely um, if they're saying that all science can't be trusted, then if Dr. Stefan Lanka is a real <laughs> scientist, then we can't trust them. We can't be trusted. You're not true. They're so fucking stupid, these people. Yeah, because, for instance, there, there's an article in the middle somewhere about... Was it? I love that you read this paper, by the way. I didn't read it all because I couldn't. I don't know who wrote my brain. I would have read it all. <laughs> I'll send it to you, Mark. I, 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 I could show it to your school pupils or whatever. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's, Did there's, everyone in the street get this? Or just I have no idea. I just remember I was lying in bed and I heard some guys walking by and I thought, who the fuck's this? And then the next thing I know, that I don't know whether it was the postman or just some guy and his pal posting Ooh. this shit through my door. So there's, there's an, art, an article, I say this in inverted commas, why big tech is the enemy of freedom? And it goes on and on about, like, I'll just read the first bit because it's mad as a box of frogs. There has never been a better demonstration of Lord Act. I don't know who Lord Actum is. Famous dictum, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Then the rise to worldwide wide business dominance of the American tech corporations such as Facebook, Apple, Twitter, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, and their dangerous extension of that wealth into political power over democratic parties, government, and a whole of public discourse. But I the mean, idea that that evil, is, but like I'm not even I'm not even gonna read the whole thing, right? But <laughs> the irony of this is that inside this bullshit newspaper, they've got like loads of wee sort of little <laughs> leaflets that look like Twitter quotes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But on that, they've got QR codes on them oh. saying scan me. Okay, so why are you going what on about how big tech is the enemy? They're the, literally the ones that invented that shit. And you're wanting, mm-hmm. oh, what are you going to use to scan that code? Your fucking phone that's made by your, Nokia. your, yeah, your iPhone and your fucking Apple. <laughs> oh my God. People I mean, just don't think. Stanford Medical Professor. Says lockdowns worst public health mistake in the last 100 years, and then it's there, there's two QR, QR codes saying scan me for more information. Probably takes you to some fucking QAnon site. What do you think lockdowns a bad thing? Oh, I, obviously they think everything to do with COVID's bullshit and it's a bad thing because COVID's not real. Yeah, and this is like the worst thing I've found in this whole newspaper. It says the Nazification of the NHS. And the N stands for Nazi, the Nazi Health Service, according ah. to them. And they've got like a logo. In fact, I'll take a picture and I'll show you. I'll post this what, on our Facebook. In what way is it a Nazi? What? In what way is it Yeah, I don't understand. I will, I will tell you, right? Look, look at this. Because I'm pretty sure the majority of people that work for the NHS are <laughs> yeah. not Nazis. And they're not white either, so... Oh, wow. I'll read the first paragraph. So it says, The coordinated command and control over society called... 
Gleichschaltung was the deadly regime of subjugation in the 1930s German totalitarianism, later known as Nazification. Since 2020, the UK government has empowered its own coordinated command and control regime to Nazify the NHS. The aim is to force health services to conform to government COVID-19 contagion propaganda. This modern-day Nazification provides the means for exerting total power over general population and healthcare professionals. And then there's this bit, um, it's a massive article, honestly, it's just absolute horseshit. And then there's this column where it says, some of the many ways, I don't, I can't, I don't even know why I should broadcast this because I don't, I just, there's a danger people might actually believe this bullshit, but I like to think that our listeners aren't total head cases, quite reasonable people. So yeah. it says some of the many ways con- countless families continue to experience these medical perversions. One, family members dying alone without loved ones or in personal, uh, spiritual, religious support. Two, death hastening, death making. Via overdrugging, oh. via sedatives like myodilazam or angiosic opiates and or via blanket ordering of do not attempt resuscitation, including nutrition medication withdrawal. And it says in caps, without family or patient consent. Three, oh, removal that's, of... <laughs> that's nonsense. That, none of that is true in any way whatsoever. Well, obviously, it's such a, there's, Wait, no, what? there's no like any evidence to back any of this up. It says removal of public scrutiny oversight into healthcare facilities. Four, no coroner's duties. Five, obsessional wearing of personal protective equipment, which is like the most absurd one of all. Six, excessive extreme application of patient isolation with partial total exclusion of family loved ones. Yeah, that was covered because in the report. No, but that is not an NHS thing. That's at every single hospital in the world thing. (laughs) There's two more. Seven, presumptive diagnosis confounding deaf illness statistics. So they're saying that they're making up. Also, how are any of these things, if the NHS were doing these things, (laughs) how would that be evidence that were Nazis? Like, where's the correlation there? I have no fucking idea. I'm so confused by this whole entire thing. And number eight, nationwide presumption of contagion, creating fear and promoting public COVID hysteria. Do you really think all these nurses and doctors who are fucking like working their asses off in hospital, stressed to the fucking nines, are wanting are doing that on purpose? And again, I don't think the NHS caused this, but it's the whole entire world going through it. This makes no sense at all. You're comparing. Oh, like they've said. Pre-COVID, this National Death Service, this is the end of the article, caused 250-plus murders. Dr. Harold Shipman, they're quoting, that's one guy. 1,200 deaths. And he went to jail. <laughs> he didn't. He died before they could jail Did they? Him. Oh, my God, I didn't realise that. He killed himself. How many more deaths have been and are still being caused in the name of COVID-19? The COVID-19 contagion propaganda is nazifying health service to the extreme point where unethical practices once seen as highly abnormal are increasingly being accepted as the norm. The only moral way of halting this COVID nazification is to once again place people in ethics above science and technology. What? <laughs> what does that even mean? Yeah, what does that even mean? It's not like they're using COVID restrictions so they can build a better (laughs) iPhone. Like, what? I don't even... Guys need help. Need actual help. Um, And then there's one that says, NHS nurse, no regrets in standing up and speaking out. Yeah, well, you're a fucking... You should be strong. Oh, look at this. I don't even know what this means. I wish the listeners could actually see this picture, but um, I'm just going to send it. Oh, shit. I'm just going to send it to you because I've got cartoons in this um, newspaper as well. Exciting. 
The thing is, it looks like an actual proper newspaper. So people have actually spent a lot of time and money creating this paper. Yeah, someone actually paid to get this published and yeah. someone agreed to publish it. And created it and everything else. I've had to take it in. Right. What does that even mean? Like, check this out. Right. I'm trying to describe it to the listeners. Okay. So the guy has put, right. If you start from the left hand side, there's like a a picture of what looks like, I don't know, a cat or a dog and an old woman who's dead, like a dead head of an old woman grafted on a a dog. A wolf or something. With with a mask flying off her. Or, or is it the man that's throwing the mask? I don't know. And it then looks there's like some. She's coughing <laughs> so hard that the masks come off her face. <laughs> Are they maybe news hounds? Because one of them is a dog as well with a newspaper. For oh, face. yeah, probably oh. news hounds. That's very clever. Right, like, why is one of them an old. Like, that is very clever. <laughs> yeah, then that confused me. But yeah, it's like a dog with a newspaper for a head, a dog with an iPhone or. With an iPhone for a head. iPhone um, for yeah. a head. And then a dog with an old lady's head that's coughing so hard a mask come off its face. And one of the screens on the dog says fired. And then there's a nurse who's like grabbing her head and stress and she's wearing a mask and that. I don't know what, what's wrong with her. There's and then there's like zombies blood. or something. Like. Maybe. And then, oh, are these zombies at the back? Why is, just... why, why is that guy who looks like a crash test dummy putting <laughs> crown on some younger guy who's looking at his phone as if nothing's happening, with his earpods on, walking in some blood. Because that guy represents most of society, is like young people in their phone and not aware of the rest of the world. And they're just walking right. through the blood. Oh, like, does that mean that they're like, they're like... Because their head's stuck in their phone. Right. <laughs> Did you draw this cartoon yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't understand, though, because again, yeah, you're good at this game, and I think you're right. But then what's it... What, what is it? Hold Why on, is there what, a man... The other crash test dummies top? Who's the guy with the mask and the luggage? Who's that? I'm not confused with the rest of it. Well, then then the guy at the front is like obviously some sort of criminal or something. The guy with the luggage looks like him off of Coach Trip. Like it looks really like him off of Coach Trip. Yeah, but I don't see what he's got to do with this. I mean, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) then there's a guy with like PPE on and he's walking very determinedly towards the end. And he's got like all the. Are they making him out to be like a fool because he's walking towards um, the vaccine or something? Mm-hmm. Like maybe one of them oh, just wants vaccine so he can go on holiday. I, I could be wrong here. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a vaccine with a sort of scary head wearing a hat and it's got arms and gloves and it's holding on a stick with a carrot on the top as if okay, to lure. Ah, oh, I get it. It's, it's, yeah, the evil vaccine is so luring like people in with a carrot. Yeah. Because so he's dying like a Yes, you want holiday, but you're not aware of what's going on in the world. And the NHS are really stressed, but people are believing the news and not making up their own mind. I don't know. <laughs> right, I know this is taking up a lot of time, but I have Sorry. to show you this. Right, there's another cartoon here, which is probably just more to their point that the vaccine's bad. It depicts like a scary demon and he's got a vaccine on his hand and there's a woman with a baby behind her, a toddler behind her, and it says, stand firm. <laughs> so protect your children from the evil vaccine. I mean, it's, it's very impressive artwork. Yeah, it is really cool artwork. It's very nice. <laughs> well, then, see, that's why people end up getting sucked in by this. And also, what I found really funny about this paper is they've got some adverts, right? You think, what kind of fucking cunts are going to advertise mm. in this newspaper? So there's one here, right, Check this out. So it says, 
Cosmic Silver Linings, EMF Protection Clothing. Does that, um, that stand for ele- Electronic Magnetic Field? I don't know. Lovingly Handmade in England. It's from Glastonbury. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so she's wearing a hat to stop the magnetism. <laughs> signals going in like it's like the equivalent of wearing a tinfoil hat oh my god can, right. like a suit yeah. i thought electric electric magnetic yeah. hunters used to to, yeah. to see if there was any ghosts about if there was like a fluctuation in the magnetic field it's basic stupidity basically oh did you see like look do you see what they're selling as well like i was gonna say i'm liking the article <laughs> which is like an advert selling anti-vaxxer mugs don't vax the kids. Take your freedom back. And um, I don't know what that one is. And then there's another one here, which I thought was equally just as funny. And here it is. I'm saying it to you. It says, the light cell radiation harmonizing pendant oh, protects oh. the wearer from using a mobile phone. And when in environments with electromagnetic radiation, as well as bringing the body in state. I've seen this all over like Shut Instagram up. with actual adverts for the, maybe not this brand, but there's all these necklaces going around that are meant to basically like yeah harmonise the energy that surrounds you because we're like surrounded by like mobile phones and computers and microwaves yeah. and you wear this necklace and it's meant to like harmonise your energy and I'm like fuck off like just <laughs> see whoever like is selling that and making money of it fair mm-hmm. enough I mean I guess there's a lot of stupid people out there that want to spend their money on that. <laughs> Fair play to them. And then they're finally, of course, they're going to promote David Icke and his <laughs> new book, Perceptions of a Renegade Mind, from the man who's called Current Events for more than 40 years. The world as it really is. This is a guy that thinks everyone are lizards from another planet. Oh, God. He's yes, people need yes. to be locked up. <laughs> actually need to be locked up. So, yeah, if you give me your address, Mark, I will actually send this to you and you can, you can read it. Mark's content. I'm serious. I look forward to um, perusing it. Leslie, can you please also ask your neighbours if they got it as well? I want to know if it was just you. No, should. They're probably. Why do you think they're just targeting me? I don't know. I'm very curious. (laughs) Just targeting you. Like looked like a letter that had been written out in handwriting, like by hand, from a Jehovah's Witness, and they said they were my neighbour. Okay, so that's yeah, yeah, that's everyone. I was like, thank fuck for that. Then I don't want. Yeah, yeah. I've had them twice where it's actual handwritten with a yeah. stamp on it. And it then, says, then there's a letter inside inviting me to yeah. put their fucking Jehovah's Witnesses no, they said parties said, or whatever. Yeah, they said it has to be an online party now because it can't go door to door. Yes, oh, I was invited to the oh. online one. But it was like, yeah, it was like to my neighbour and it was all handwritten and I'm like, who yeah. the hell sat and wrote all these? Because the whole building got it. Yeah, it's I got that. Wow. They're oh <laughs> working hard up and down the country doing that. <laughs> Why can't I just get like some decent mail instead of all this shite? I mean, <laughs> that's better than bills. So yeah. like the time when I've seen an advert in the metro years and years ago when I was still going to art school, and it was an advert, a full page advert for Scientology, and oh, wow. it was basically a guy with sunglasses on who looked a bit like Tom Cruise, and mm-hmm. uh, it looked like he was in a, like just got out of a helicopter. There was a helicopter there, and he'd rescued someone on a stretcher. And it was making out that if you join Scientology, you too can be like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible and be a hero. And I was like, that's the utter shit and have like superpowers. I've never seen an advert for Scientology. Before. No, I've never seen one either, oh, and that sounds deranged. I thought I, I took a picture of it it's on my Facebook somewhere because I remember sharing it and everyone was just laughing at it so much. <laughs> so I feel like Tom Cruise is desperate for work. 
Unbelievable. Yeah, so this is why um, this is like the weird and random um, episode of our podcast because it is just going to be stuff like that. That is so weird, maybe. Like, I should just shut up then and, like, let someone else talk. Because, I mean, I, w- I was thinking I could just go straight into my mad scientist story after that, but I think we'll just split it. Um, Yes, do you want to... Yeah. Um, so, what I was... Oh, crap, I just lost my page. Um, what I was looking at was the dancing mania. And, like, I find this really fascinating because... <laughs> <laughs> so, dancing mania is basically this weird social phenomenon that pretty much occurred all over Europe over centuries, like all from the 14th to 17th century. And it's basically people, it's always a group of people, it's never just one person, that they're just overcome by dancing. What, do they all just start at once? So it's not like one person starts dancing, you know, like on TikTok and then thinks, oh, that looks cool, I'll start. And then it just ends up loads of people. Some of them have been groups starting at the same time. Some of them have been like one or two and then it grows and grows (laughs) and grows because it seems to be contagious. What is that thing that they call... What is that thing that they called it? The, you know, a random gathering in a square and then they all fuck off. Uh, oh, what is that? Oh, um, the flash oh. mobs. Flash mobs! Yeah. <laughs> but with them, it was like, oh, that's quite a, a weird kind of modern day version of it, I guess. But then some people, so basically, yeah, this is this weird phenomenon that's happened uh-huh. over years and years, ages ago. But the thing is, people actually died from it. Like, they would oh. basically dance and dance and dance and dance to the point that they can't dance anymore. And they either, like, say, break a rib or die of exhaustion. Like, they say that if a marathon runner was to dance as much as they danced, they would also still die because of the actual exhaustion that they went through. I have that scene in Hocus Pocus when she goes, dance, dance until (laughs) you die or something like that. It made me think of um, that. Oh, that song, like. That says dance till you're dead. What is it? Yeah, I've never heard of it. Crazy roll. She says oh. dance, dance till you're dead in it, like multiple times. But maybe this is referring to this. Maybe. So like, see, they're called the dancing mania, the dancing plague, choreomania, like choreo from like choreograph. It's more John's plague than COVID, wouldn't it? If everyone just yeah. started dancing, you still die. Or oh. some people call it the Saint Vitus dance. Because um, they believe it's a saint. Because a lot of there's a church called the Saint Saint Vitus Church, and a lot of it started there as well. So they think that maybe it was a saint or some dude that kind of cursed these people. Um, saints are supposed to be nice, not. Yeah, what, oh, I don't really get. I think these people basically pissed them off. But okay. basically, it's happened like over, like I say, three centuries over lots of different countries that are sort of modern day Germany, France, but nobody can. Ex- them properly like it almost seems like like someone with like extreme epilepsy is the closest thing that I can get to explaining it and it's then there's horrific, people that because I, oh. I imagine I'm dancing but their faces are like actually horrified like yeah, they're, they're, wow. their bodies are dancing away but they're not smiling or are they like I, I don't know like they're in absolute pain because can like people have as no, they're dancing so much. And then at the start, because doctors didn't really know what to do with them, they were like, oh, uh-huh. I'm like, just dance it out. Like, just keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Which I'm like, how the fuck is that? Like, so we deal with it. I used to get dance-a-thons, and I'm not, like, obviously they're not, like, contagious or anything, but they used to have dance-a-thons in, like, the 1920s where they would have dance marathons so that, like, couples would just have to dance and dance and dance. Oh, and I've heard tell it was, there was the last person dancing. And often they would die on the floor from exhaustion. That's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. but, like it's been loads of like 
outbreaks of it. And I, that's what's crazy. It does seem like it's an actual plague where someone will start and then it picks up. There's one where apparently eight peasants started singing, dancing, like outside of a church on Christmas Eve. And they eventually died because they were all like singing, dancing. There was a group of kids that were traveling 20 kilometers through Germany, jumping and dancing the entire way. And a lot of people say that's where the, see the story, the Pied Piper family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's apparently where that story comes from. He always terrified me. Yeah. Oh, like, isn't that really scary? And I feel like all nursery stories always have some sort of horrible roots. Yeah. Um, it's not an instant in, and this is all like ages ago, like 13th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, not an instant, we've had 200 people that started dancing over a bridge, and because there were so many of them, the bridge actually collapsed under them. And the survivors were actually taken to the nearby chapel, the St. Vitus Chapel. So again, like a lot of things seem to happen around that area. And it's just some of them survived, but the majority of them, that's 200 people, majority of them died because they had this dancing plague. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this is just crazy. Like, the thing is, it's... Weird. If it was one person as well, I get what you mean, that it mm-hmm. would, could be like something that was, I don't know, like, yeah, similar to f Oh, like, Jane's just wanting attention but... again. Yeah, uh-huh. Fuck so you can't... <laughs> like, at the start, I thought, okay, this is just fake and stupid and, like, not so ridiculous, but these people were dying. Like, if they could stop, they would stop. Yeah. Were there anyone who were, like, sort of try to fake it? Like, I was saying, like, oh, Gretel's just joining in because she thinks it's a, it's a trend. But then um, she maybe, or was there... There's stories the psychological, like, later on, like, more like sort of 17th century, where they would have, like, festivals and stuff where people would go to, mm. d- to dance. And it would start off in one area and they would move to different, like, villages and pick up people as they went. Like a massive flash mob, like we were yeah, saying. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, um, and then but that St. Vitus, that St. Vitus Chapel, apparently some people now almost do some sort of weird pilgrimage to it, where there's some women that every year will go to that chapel and they'll dance like day and night until <gasps> they die, of, or until they no. collapse of ecstasy. So they don't, they don't actually die. Okay. But they say that that's a way for them to, like, I they sort know, of taking one sort for of the team social. so that no one else will get the dance Dance I don't know, but they seem to think that that kind of regenerates them or something, or it makes them feel amazing, and because they're collapsing from the pure ecstasy of it. Well, then like, when you fuck? see people in like those evangelical churches, remember there was one nearby Finsbury Park where you lived, and I walked past it, and I could hear them all lap, like clapping and oh, stuff. Oh, that was a gospel church. Gospel right? church. Yeah, yeah but gospel. you know how you get these ch- kind of churches that they, they just sort of like ends up looking yeah. like they're having ecstasy because they're jumping uh-huh. up and clapping and dancing and stuff like in the Blues Brothers and that where they were doing like flips. It, it, could that they're really so like, taken by the yeah, spirit, the spirit well, of Jesus. I think some people have tried to explain this and like because doctors don't want to do with it Is and some of the treatments oh. where like to get someone exercised um, oh. because they think oh they might be cursed or maybe they've been like possessed or so they'll have like these exorcisms to try and like to try and get them to stop, but mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Well, I just um, thought of that song, "Dance, Dance, Wherever He May Be." I am the Lord of the Dance, said He. See, Jesus is in on it as well. Was that not about Jesus? <laughs> well, but if it's was the it? saint guy, that's like, oh, I don't know. Was it? Maybe it was about the saint, the saint we had to sing that in primary school. Did you not do that? Obviously, no. you wouldn't be asked, but, like, I mean, <laughs> fucking Mark, did you not? I didn't sing no. Jesus songs. Yeah, that's what I mean. I had to fucking sing. I wish I could just have exempted myself from having to sing all those stupid songs. 
I wasn't exempt from singing Jesus songs. I just oh. didn't sing that Jesus song. What was the <laughs> funny one? I was cold and un- I was naked. Where were you? Where were you? <laughs> what? That, oh, that's when I needed a neighbour, were you there? Were you there? I was cold and I was naked. Were you there? I don't know. There was a guy Is who was cold, cold and, and hungry. No, he was naked. Please let me cold and hungry. He was <laughs> naked. I'm sure the version I sang, it was cold and hungry. It was like when I needed a neighbour, were you there? And then like when I when I was cold and I, and was naked. hungry, were you, there, were you there? When I was cold and hungry, were you there? No, uh, we sang cold and n- naked. Well, you were taught by perverts, clearly. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> they did what make a secular world by Michael Jackson, so maybe they were perfect. Mm. <laughs> That's right. Mm. I think and we all know what was dream, going on there. And we had to sing <laughs> Dream Will Do by, um, what is it, Jason Donovan? Jason Donovan. No, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and that's <laughs> not a creepy song. But still... Yeah, um, I still find that yeah. weird that they make kids you know, sit and sing hymns. I think it's indoctrination. I think you should decide yeah. for yourself what you want to do. Exactly. Yeah, it's weird that they do it. And you're not actually supposed to do it in non-denominational schools. So I think it's weird as well that they do it in so many non-denominational schools because... Mm-hmm. Did they still do it? Because maybe it was just a thing in the 80s and early 90s. No, I'm pretty sure they still do it. Oh, damn. But yeah, I don't know why. Oh, okay. But I thought yeah. in Scotland they're non-denominational schools basically just a Protestant school. Protestant, yeah, yeah Protestant. Yeah. So but they're not up. supposed to be, like, non-denominational schools are supposed to be schools without religion, like... But we still are, had, like, oh, the minister or whatever come and be your... Oh, something. yeah. They yeah. did in Dunkinrig as well, I remember. They brought yeah. freaks that tried to lure you in with a fun <gasps> summer camp, and we were all like, oh, this summer camp sounds great, and then you, the catch was, it's a Christian summer camp, and you have Who's to this? pray, and we're like, fuck, No. We always had to like pre- like pray in assembly in that and yeah read so. out Bible verses. Yeah, weird. Wow. Anyway, yeah, so the dancing thing. Anyway, um, so yeah, some people think that you're they would get exercised because they think it's like a curse or that you've been claimed or possessed by a demon or Satan. Other things. This was like a little while after the Black Death, so they kind of saw okay, it's still like some sort of plague. And also the way mm. people were dealt with the plague back then was to like isolate them. So they would try to isolate these people as well. And just, a hall. Like not a hall, but just sort of in a field. Somewhere else. Yeah, maybe in a field <laughs> to food dancing. But like they were seeing it as the same as an plague actual plague. <laughs> so it was it was contagious. It was really mad. Like, mad. Minstrels come around to taunt them by playing little oh, that was the other thing, like, because some people thought, oh, maybe if we play music, that will <laughs> help, that would be like a remedy, and they would they would actually hire, like, musicians to come play for them. Um, <laughs> it's mad, but I just... Because people die, but it is fun. That's, a, that's the thing, I keep thinking this is really funny, but then I'm like, wait, people actually died, but <laughs> what the fuck? Like, it's just... Die, I mean, imagine die. if that happened today, they'd probably just drug them up so they don't move yeah they like, probably yeah. have them a sedative or something yeah I mean they probably do them. they're like what the fuck do we do with this That's like, if someone's got epilepsy they basically drug them up so yeah. this almost seems like a more extreme version of epilepsy modern day equivalents or yeah like that yeah or is that like what I mentioned with the dance marathons and stuff but there's nothing that makes you there's nothing really- other than so there's epilepsy and there's other diseases called ergotism and encephalitis. 
Um, but again, they're all very similar to epilepsy, but they don't right. account for like all the symptoms. Uh-huh. Um, or so, what about like, like Parkinson's or you know people with MS? Yeah, or no, was it Parkinson's? Mark? You can't you shake. You, you shake, but you can't actually physically get up and like walk around and dance and stuff. Yeah. So it's a right. Yeah, it's like it's got very similar. What kind of dance moves are we talking here, though? Because maybe back in medieval times, if you see someone shaking their hands about, they might think they're dancing. True. But they'd have music going on. They'd be dancing to the music. They would be doing whatever they considered dancing. I I didn't think they were dancing to music. I thought they were just dancing whatever because they couldn't help themselves. No, because the doctors would say to them that that was a remedy is go go somewhere where there's music and dance to But no, that basically means, like, what about... like when they like what? How really? <laughs> like what are we counting as dancing? No, but, but you're but what you're saying there is that they hear the music first and then start dancing. I thought they just started dancing no, and then the they music, play the music. Oh, no, the music was a. Uh, the doctors were saying it's a, a cure. Yeah, it's a cure because oh, they didn't know what to do with them. But some of them were singing and stuff as well, so they're singing and dancing, and then it seems to create this like group. What you call it? Like yeah, it seems really weird. bizarre. Yeah, yeah, that's so strange. I'd love to go back in time and watch that. Yeah, it just—it's bizarre. And then film it like the fucking sicko that I am. And put on, like... Hold on, imagine you went back in time to watch it, and then you just started also uncontrollably dancing. Oh and you'd be no! Like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> yes. Um, I regret there was <laughs> there was one guy though who basically <laughs> was following this, and he kind of travelled around like wherever there was like an outbreak of it. Uh-huh, like, was super fan. So he said that some places he recorded that where the dancing took place, a lot of people would then come and join it because the original people that were dancing were people that were like dressed up in nice dresses and oh. they had like wooden sticks and they started it and they would travel around and people would then join it. But then it's as if it became this addictive thing and then they couldn't stop. And that's the thing, they don't have an explanation for this. Do you know what I'm imagining now, Yaz? Is um, Agadu, or no, oh no, what was it, Black Lace? And it's just like one big fucking conga line. Choo, choo, choo. Yeah. Come on and do the conga. See, like we started it, and then more and more people started joining the conga line until it was like all the way around the world. <laughs> oh, my God. If there's people that are showing yeah. up in like costumes as well and starting it, like, do they do they stop dancing and then leave? Or are they some sort of dance? Which is. Some of them get so, like, out of control where, you know, like, as you were saying, where people are, like, taken by the spirit and all this. Yeah. Where they get so, like, uncontrollable that they're dancing to, like, their ribs break or, like, screaming and laughing because some of them get really, like, obscene and actually do get naked and take their clothes off. And, like, it's like they're just become so... (laughs) (laughs) Get your tits out. (laughs) Hayley, oh! Remember that Peaches song? Ladies, shake your tits. Fellas, shake your dicks. I don't know why I was like, fuck the pain away. Like, that was going to be the obvious one for that. (laughs) I love Peaches. I think, I almost think, maybe they were drugged or something. Because then the other thing is that he's basically the person that documented this the most. He goes, no, he didn't do it. He just watched them. But he said none of them could stand the colour red. If they saw the colour red, they would get really, really violent and like pissed off. They, They would get like, chests in their pay in their 
they get chest pains, they'd like have hallucinations, they'd have full on fits and stuff. Sounds like a zombie like, apocalypse. Oh, like it's like the pure like the rage virus or something. Yeah. Like I don't maybe there's some sort of weird drugs involved or like something that's poisoned them and it's given them that reaction. I just I don't know. It seems that's quite very terrifying. fascinating in any mm. case. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really it's interesting. Hmm. But um, yeah, apparently it happens over hundreds of years, and there's keeping outbreaks all over Europe by this. And until now, no one's ever been able to explain it. And to strictly come dancing with Bruce Forsyth <laughs> or dancing with the stars oh. in America. Oh my god! Well, um, could it be like a spider bite or some like random poison? Oh, if a spider bite makes me die. <laughs> no, but like, what if it was some weird poison or something? That's could be, could be. Yeah, only like it started by triggering the part of your brain that makes you respond to like rhythm or something it could be yeah uh-huh. it's mm-hmm. just, so, but yeah I, I would believe a spider bite over like a demon possessed or was it something akin to ecstasy like mdma Maybe. or actually yeah, that, dance i don't know what's that, in that, that any, i don't think it's, I don't know if it's natural yes. but and then your body has a really bad reaction to it and then it's, you have, it's like just keep convulsing or something. So like it's quite scary. Don't do drugs, people, man. Like it's terrible. Drugs, boy. <laughs> drugs. It's just terrible. You'd be like the girl with the red shoes that could never stop dancing. Don't worry. I was also really angry at her feet because apparently mm-hmm. if you can never stop dancing, you don't like red. Oh, oh yeah, God, that's right. Red, red shoes. shoes. Oh. We said that the same time. But wasn't that a uh, story about a girl's vanity or greed or, Aye, or she was being a greedy little like was she though yeah she'd be like, oh, okay. I mean, she not want her dad to spend all her all his oh money. yeah all his money on those shoes and yeah. then he got the shoes and then and she, she was that a witch that cursed her or was it the shoes that were cursed by the witch I that, um, shoes were cursed and then she danced forever that story used to be terrifying me as a child yeah because the only way that she could stop dancing was for a woodsman there's always a woodsman to cut off her feet. Yeah. And, then the shoe, and then the shoes kept dancing, though, yeah, even after they cut off her feet. The feet, yeah. they're still dancing to this day. That's what it says. Uh-huh. Anyway, yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. That's what the feet. story always ended <laughs> was that. And they say that the shoes are still dancing till today. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, cool. Weird shit that I think is true. I agree I that it is weird shit, and I believe you that it's true. That's why I mm. love the Brooks Grimm stories, like the original ones that were really fucked yeah. up in that. Oh, I think they're brilliant. I like that's what I'm gonna read to my kids when I have kids. Then my kids are gonna be fucked up. So <laughs> if we were smart well, for life as children, then so, so should ours. Exactly. <laughs> no this nonsense pink silly Barbie shite. <laughs> well I go next so that we can end on a more hilarious with yours, because mine isn't yeah. very hilarious. To be honest, it's probably not hilarious for the people it happened to, but it is a funny topic. But it's hilarious so, for you. Yeah, it's hilarious nice. for us. Okay, yeah, go ahead. It's hilarious for the person it happened to or us. So I, I don't imagine you'll um, laugh, but I think it's quite interesting. Right, uh, so ahead. Okay, do the Duendes and the killing of Ruthie Mae McCoy. I want to say before I start it, though, obviously whenever I research stuff like this, I just look on like wikipedia and random hmm. cryptozoology websites and things like that to get information but most of the details that i'm actually using in this come from three different articles by a writer called uh, steve bagheera, bagheera. So i thought bagheera, i should probably like, that, from like, the jungle. 
Yeah, like the I was thinking of the jungle book. <laughs> yeah, but I thought I should probably say that before the start because I, I'm basically stealing his work. So. Yeah, well, no, because <laughs> I, mine's really taken so. from mine's is taken from a book I was reading recently, and that's why it captured my imagination. And I'm going to obviously give her credit, but yeah, now I'm just imagining Bagheera, Bagheera from the Jungle Book telling us this. But go yes. ahead. Okay, so uh, a duend. Sorry, a duende. A duende. Yeah, What's to, a duende? Sorry, keep saying it over and over again. A duende is a type of cryptid. Um, oh. Unlike a lot of uh, the other cryptids that we've looked at, they're always found in, or at least the ones I'm going to talk about, are found in built up inner city areas. The cryptid. Duende was originally an Iberian myth, but it's. Where's Iberia? Found, uh, it's, it doesn't well, exist. It's Spanish. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, I thought like Iberia. Yeah. Is it like, like a big Iberia chunk of Spain and a big chunk of Portugal? Was yeah. Iberia. Yeah. So originally it was an Iberian myth, but it's now found all over the world, especially places where people have, where there's a lot of people who have Hispanic or Portuguese ancestry. Duende are nocturnal creatures, and they come in several different forms that all, obviously being nocturnal, only come out at night. Some of them are actually like quite nice creatures. It depends on their habitat. So they have non-city dwelling or inner city versions. So there's sort of woodland duende who are nice enough creatures as long as people... Nice enough. <laughs> then the, okay. they call them Trasgos duendes, which are the ones that live in inner city. And obviously, if the legend of the ones that live in... The wild is that they're friendly enough as long as people don't come into contact with them. Well, if they're yeah. always in contact with people, therefore they're the worst of the duende. They can be very aggressive and they, they're cryptids that like to hide away. So they live in chimneys and wall cavities and under the floorboards. So you can't what actually... What do they look like? They're quite small in comparison to humans. They would maybe come up to, I don't know... Their Are they body. humanoid? Are they humanoid? Or they, like, yeah. Do they look like human? All right. Yeah. Okay. I'll send you the picture. I'll describe it and then I'll send oh. you the picture. Oh, okay. um, you're describing borrowers again. Kind of, yeah. So they're possibly come up to about my knee. They've got soft, bendy bones and they've got Ugh. big bones. And then their heads like are quite massive. Like their heads are bigger than a human head, even though their bodies are smaller. And then they have massive hands as well for their size. No, that sounds um, creepy and weird. Okay, yeah. that's not borrowers. That's just weirdness. Mm. Yeah. I really don't like um, that. That's fucking scary to me. I, I tell yeah. you. So I will talk very slowly like this until I remember. <laughs> there it is. Right, hold on. I'm sure that's what he's. Oh. Stop talking to actually send it because. Uh, wow, what the fuck, Mark? That's gonna give me nightmares. That's that fucking horrible. Yeah, oh, there's. Oh nice. I feel like every time you guys send pictures, I have to delete them <laughs> off my phone because they freak me out. <laughs> I mean, they are horrible. Yeah. Wait, is that is that a female duende as well, or is that a yeah, man so duende? Yes, two male duendes and a female duende. In that oh, they're absolutely horrific. I don't like them. Yeah. No, so we? if you think they have like really really soft bones, so they're even more so than cats. So that means they can like squeeze through small spaces. Oh, no. And in your chimney breast, it can oh, kind no. of stay up in the chimney breast and then kind of almost slither down. And if no. there was a crack in, say, your living room, it could start to push its big face through it, which is a oh. horrific thought. Oh. Isn't that like that thing from the X-Files? Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Like, yeah. Squidgy guy in the X-Files. Yeah. So because they can move like that, 
people believe that in the night they crawl out through even the smallest of cracks in your walls mm-hmm. and without, they steal your money or throw your money around and another thing that they like to do is they can tell if an object has sentimental value to you so even if it's worthless mm-hmm. they'll take it and carry it away into the like wall space so that you can never find it again not really for any reason they just want you to not have it fucking prick just to annoy you also, when they're out at night they'll kill plants or they'll go into your larder or your fridge or whatever larder touch food <laughs> I, I know but i'm thinking of when oh, okay like, sorry but you're just being pretentious <laughs> i have a larder yeah they would like touch the food and cause it to rot that's horrible they, they like that's just horrible also shits and then another part of the legend of them is that they're known to lure small children into mm-hmm. if the children are small enough to slip through the cracks. And then once they take them in, they basically just leave them there to die, which, again, is... That's nasty. Why? Like, why? Uh, because, here's a quote for you, guys: they are sneaky, <laughs> violent, and evil creatures. Yeah. Mm. This then brings me to the, as I said, like, not a fun note to end on, hence why I'm going in the middle... The horrific, sad uh, story of Ruthie Mae McCoy. She doesn't sound Spanish. Uh, no, she is of mixed I... racial descent. Mm, okay. So pe- many people in areas in the USA still fear the Trasgos duendes today. And Ruthie was unfortunately almost kind of designed to be more scared of them than other people due to her mental health problems which I'll explain as I talk about her, but her mental health problems left her more likely to, to react badly to these kind of crypts and legends and yeah. crypts, cryptids and legends and things like that. Uh-huh. So Ruthie was born in Arkansas, but she moved to Chicago when she was really young and she lived in poverty pretty much as soon as they got to, well, in fact, before they got to Chicago. So they were living in poverty in Arkansas. They moved to Chicago for a better life. But actually, when she got to Chicago their life was if anything even worse because I mean that often a, happens when people move from the country to the city and they think it's going to be great and then they end up homeless don't they yeah yeah and I think as well because she was of mixed racial descent right none of that mix was white she was just her and her family were obviously just automatically treated badly because well <laughs> white Americans especially at that point in time are evil so <laughs> she ended up getting a job when she was about 12 and in her 20s, she started to show signs of having mental health issues, but her family were unable to get her help. They could obviously see there was issues with her. She would quite often go into angry rages. She would shout at things that weren't there. She was really, really depressed and she was paranoid all the time. And this got worse as she got older. So she did manage to hold down a job for a reasonable while, but she ended up losing her job. Because of her mental health issues and because of the way, obviously, that the health system works in America, she wasn't really getting any help, so she couldn't get back into mm. work. When she was 47, she was rehoused as an unemployed person in a high-rise in the south side of Chicago. Um, and these high-rise flats were in the Chicago projects, and they were known at that point in time, which would have been the early 1980s. Yeah, the early 1980s. Uh, they were known to be the most dangerous buildings in Chicago. And that, again, is a quote from the Chicago... I forgot. Was Thank you. So the high-rises sounded absolutely terrifying, even if they didn't have monsters in the wall. Uh, they had no mm. lights in the stairwells or the elevators. 
It sounds um, like the kind of flats you get used to have in like the gorbals, the, like the yeah. red row flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And because of where they were situated, lots of violent criminals and drug addicts basically kind of used that as a place to operate out of. Mm. Go lock on the main door into the building so they would just wander in and out and yeah. deal out of there and would have almost warfare and things in there. So this, on top of our belief in paranormal creatures and cryptids, was obviously terrifying for her because she believed there to be things moving about in the walls. And then even when there wasn't, she was constantly in darkness when she was trying to get back and forward between the shops or wherever else she was going that day and her own (sighs) flat because there were like windowless, lightless areas. (sighs) And this hasn't anything to do with the story being about cryptids, but just an interesting note, again, on the way that people are treated in society. Every single person who was ever sent to live in those flats was black or Hispanic from the day they Mm. were built to the day they were demolished. Interesting, yeah. Mm. They kind of brought their myths with them then, don't Yeah. Ah, right. It was a large Hispanic community living there. And here's a fairy mark. That mm-hmm. is obviously going to be a place of fucking misery. So there's going to be a lot yeah. of negative negative energy produced there. So I do believe that, like, when I was talking about tulpas, if you think enough in a negative way, then you can actually mm. create negative spirits or energies or creatures that would haunt people and it can yeah. stay there afterwards. Or attract negative things. Yeah. In more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or things will be attracted to mm. bad places like that. And that's yeah. why you get negative hauntings. Creepy. Ruthie, like, started to kind of get better almost. So, would have then been less likely to believe that these creatures were there. Um, so, that was 1983. God. She first got moved into that building. And in 1984, she was described, described, she was prescribed pills. <laughs> by her doctor which she which helped with her mental health issues but mm-hmm. she wasn't able to get them because again she had to pay for them and she oh yeah she didn't have any job. and it was difficult for her to find employment because she left her previous employment because of mental health issues so she was kind of taking the tablets on and off and when mm. she to take them she was having these periods of paranoia again and she was known to the police and to people in the local community to be someone who was paranoid about what was going on round about her in the building she was in and the wall they wouldn't take her seriously would they yeah so a lot of people didn't listen to her but in 1987 things got better again for ruthie she was officially diagnosed with schizophrenia and she was Mm -hmm. given medication for it but she was also referred to a state-funded psychiatric center for therapy and they ensured that she didn't have to pay for her medication so whenever she went there for her therapy session she would also be given her medication while she was there she was kind of getting the help she needed yeah and she was getting the help she needed she started taking college classes and she was able to apply for effectively like the american version of disability living allowance because she was able to just kind of generally function better because she was on medication that was helping her so when she applied for that, she was awarded $300 a month to help top up her money while she was looking for a job. And they also gave her a back payment of $1,800 for, I mean, obviously she should have got quite a lot more of a back payment than that. But basically they gave her a bit of a back payment to say, well, you should really have been getting money all along. Mm, okay. I've got a horrible feeling this is all going to go horribly wrong. I know, I'm getting yeah. this with sense too good. Yeah. What's going on now? So... This was all happening. She was really happy. She got the $1,800 through and she 
decided to move nearer to where her uh, grandchildren were staying. She'd never married, but she did have a daughter. And the daughter had been brought up in care because of her mental health issues, but they'd always stayed in contact. So she was going to move out to, she put a deposit down in a place that she was going to move out to so she could live nearer to them. And she was going to look for a job there and everything was kind of looking up for her and it was really, really promising. And then one night near the end of April in 1987, Ruthie phoned the police and she hadn't been in contact with the police for quite a long time at this time because obviously she'd been taking her medication and so on. She stated in the phone call that she lived in these high rise flats and she said they want to come through the cracks in the bathroom. Oh, fuck. They're coming for me. That's terrifying. That's so scary. Oh my God. So she wasn't able to fully explain what was happening and she seemed terrified on the phone, but she was insistent that someone was coming from, that someone or something was coming for her and they were coming through her bathroom wall. And she wasn't the first resident of the high rise flats to speak to the police and report that there were creatures in the walls or that creatures had come oh through God. the walls. So the police didn't know anything about any of these reports, but as a matter, like just whenever they got a call like that, they would go out and check on the person, more so to kind of check their health. Yeah. So they to check on Ruthie. However, it was checking on her health, but they were aware that she had mental health conditions. So it wasn't treated particularly seriously. The police arrived and they knocked at her door and she didn't answer. So they called her house phone. I say house phones, mobile phones didn't really exist at that point in time. So obviously they called her phone and it was ringing out, but nobody answered it. We spoke to some of her neighbours and they basically hung around for about 40 minutes and then left. And then the following day, Ruthie's friend, Deborah, who lived in the high rise flats as well, became worried because she was unable to contact Ruthie and they were supposed to be going for lunch that day. So she phoned the police to say she'd been to her door and she'd been unable to get to her. And again, the police came out. And they said they were going to knock the door down, but the security guard for the building told them that if they knocked the door down, he was going to make sure that they had to pay for it. So they left without doing anything again. Okay. And then the following day, someone from the housing office came to meet Deborah. So she'd phoned the housing office and said, like, she doesn't know what's going on with her friend. Nobody's trying to help her. And the police had obviously said that this had happened. So she thought, well, she might have had a psychotic break or anything and nobody's helping. And they opened the get door. why the building guy didn't just open the door for them. Like, yeah. knocking it down, why didn't he just have yeah, what prick. to open it? Oh. The building manager came out and met Deborah, and Deborah, the building manager, went and unlocked Ruthie's door, and they found Ruthie lying on the floor in a pool of her own blood, surrounded by coins that had been thrown oh about. God. Oh, my God. Coins. Okay. So, obviously, on immediate impressions, it seemed as though the Duendes had actually attacked Ruthie and that what she was reporting on the phone was real. However, when the apartment was then looked over, the coroner began to investigate. They found out a bit more information and found out what had actually happened. And it also explains the beliefs of the other people in the apartment that there were Duendes in the walls. So when they examined the apartment, they found that although there was uh, coins scattered around Ruthie's body, what remained of the $1,800 that she'd um, received, her landline phone, which obviously the police had heard ringing, uh, her antique chair and her television were all missing. This meant that someone had killed Ruthie and later returned to the apartment again. However, on the first visit, the police had put police tape over the door so they could tell whether or not she was coming and going and that hadn't been broken so they knew yeah. that 
when they phoned the house phone, nobody had oh. been in the apartment since then, and yet the phone, yeah. which meant so that... So someone's gotten in... Like, I yeah. honestly think that this may have inspired that Eugene Victor Toombs episode of The X-Files. Yes. Because he was a genetic yeah. mutant serial killer. He was capable of squeezing his body through narrow gaps. His uh-huh. unique muscle and bone structures allowed for extreme elongation and cord torsion in his body. And there was a scene in that where he invaded like Scully's house or something through a fucking yeah. tiny little drain. And he killed his him. boss. He killed his boss and he's like locked in a room. So the police are like, how did he even get in when yeah. he's locked from the inside? I mean, yeah, basically what the I mean what the police then go on to theorise is really, really similar to that and and that was in 1984. It's still technically yeah. an unsolved killing, but I'll give you a bit more information. So okay. the, the coroner then contacted the police and said that the reason that Ruthie had died and bled out is that there was a bullet that was lodged in oh, some pulmonary vein. So the police that were in flat then began to look around and realised that where Ruthie had been lying, there was actually three other bullet holes in the wall behind her. So it seemed mm-hmm. as though someone had shot at her. But again... They hadn't entered through the front door. The shots had been fired from inside the bathroom. Oh, like through the, the wall? Yeah, and the build, so she was on the 11th floor of the building and she was in an internal flat. So basically, she had one window in her flat and it wasn't anywhere near the bathroom, nor was it near the front door, and it was 11 floors up. So somebody had been in her flat and had shot her from the bathroom which is where she said that there was somebody or something coming through the wall. Fucking hell. So creepy. But then someone could easily be the flat upstairs and, like, sort of, oh, absailed in into her one. Absolutely. And up that way. You know what I mean? Like, they're doing films. And they're like, Sorry, I'm just lovers. making this whole crew Come down, shoot her, steal her stuff, and then go back up again. What yeah, happened, maybe they guys? knew she had that money as well from the government. Well, they were listening to her talk. Yeah, so they suspected that somebody had heard her talking to Deborah about it because obviously when they went for lunch, they always went near the flats. And the officer on seeing the bullet holes then went in to check the bathroom and found that the bathroom mirror was ever so slightly askew. Mm. And at the bottom where it was askew, it exposed the entire wall cavity. And when he looked into it, he could see another mirror. Fucking hell. And the mirror came away. And there was a massive mirror-shaped hole in her bathroom oh. to get into it. And the entire wall cavity on the inside of this building was hollow. Oh, my Someone God. was going through the walls. That's yes. scary as fuck, man. Police then, when they began investigating, found out that local youths had been accessing the high-rise, because, again, there wasn't a lock on the front door, had been watching to see which flats were unoccupied and then entering the unoccupied apartments. If they were able to gain access to an unoccupied apartment, they would then, and some of the youths that like hung about in the apartments told them this, they would then take off either a mirror, a mirror or a medicine cabinet that was an in, like basically a, a feature of the house or the flat. So it was mm-hmm. a built mirror and inbuilt medicine cabinet. Yeah, and the, the and flats would probably be really cheaply built as well. So exactly. they're really easy yeah. to, yeah. So because they'd been so cheaply built, the walls were like paper thin and anything that was in them washed whole. And they had no wall insulation, so there was just an open cavity behind them. What they would then do is climb through the hole they'd made into the cavity. And this meant that they were able to move around in the walls. Oh, that must be so terrifying to hear that. that. These small, terrifying people in the walls 
there actually were people moving around in the walls. It's like the people under the, who live under the stairs, they were wandering around the walls. So two guys that were, that the police knew after investigating with other people, they knew that two guys had been in the walls on the night that Ruthie was murdered. However, there wasn't enough evidence to actually say that it was them that killed Ruthie. I think it might not have been them that killed Ruthie, somebody else might have been in the walls as well. But there wasn't enough evidence to say that it was them, so actually nobody's ever been charged with her murder. Oh, that's a shame. Fuck, if I lived in that flat complex, I'd be wanting hell out of there. Yeah. Because that happens to her, then it was like going to happen to anyone else. I think as well, like what you were saying earlier, Yaz, that's the interesting thing for me, that these things, there's often an explanation for them, and people thought there's these humanoid creatures moving around in the walls, but actually there were People like, people terrifying in it's itself. Like, it's like that film. Like, well, don't know. There was a true story of someone who thought there was things kept going missing. It was in Japan. So things kept going missing in their apartment and everything, and food was going missing from their fridge. And they were convinced someone was breaking in, or there was someone in their house, but they could never find them. Turns out that there was a person living inside their apartment, but they were living like up in a small hole in their attic or something like in, in a like a boat yeah and they were they were hiding there and when the person would go to bed they would sneak out and take their food and stuff and then yeah they lived in like in a cupboard somewhere and then they did that in that film parasite didn't they there was a guy who was hidden yeah. in that big house similar thing it's fucked isn't it Mate, it's really creeping me out like it makes me want to like is there some fucker up in my attic right now like i don't know I've left the door open someone can sneak in even if you think, oh my god, it's these like make believe creatures and they're in mm-hmm. my walls. Like, imagine you psychologically how freaked out you must be that you're like, oh my god, I'm going crazy. I can yeah, but it's worse for her, isn't it? Because she oh, has, she has oh. like a psycho psychotic mental illness, hmm. so she might think it's all in her head when it actually yeah. is real. That's terrifying. Yeah, yeah like she it? was aware that she couldn't, that she sometimes People couldn't wouldn't believe differentiate her. between reality yeah. and voices and yeah and but then again like, i do agree what you're saying as well yes for other people that were living in the buildings as well the fact that yeah they must have thought am i going mad i can hear things moving around the walls like i know they're in there and oh, that's horrible that's so scary yeah. like that i would move i wouldn't stay there but then some people can't move they're stuck know, there they're, they're stuck because they can't afford to move out they've been placed there by the government you know imagine yeah. i always thought that those high-rise flats in glasgow were always really fucked up especially yeah. the ones that were outside the sentencing uh, theater court yeah uh-huh. the i always looked at them and, and people were still occupied in those like living in those flats even though half of them the windows had blown out or they were empty and they just looked like depressing little fucking boxes of like mm. just horrid like just yeah. horrible and they're just like junkies and just people that are i think they were putting a lot of refugees and stuff in those places they just dumped them in the most disgusting places ever oh goodness oh the poor women that's that's horrible well i'm gonna talk bollocks okay <laughs> <laughs> So what I'm going to be talking about is monkey balls or, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, I mean, there's elements of, like, <laughs> the things men do to basically become virile and young 
Um, but then, to be fair to men, women do all kinds of weird shit as well to their faces and to, yeah. to look young as well, like, you know, the vampire facials and putting bull semen in your hair and, like, sticking stuff, stuff inside your arse and, like, you know, to make it look bigger. So... Sticking stuff inside your arse. I know what you mean. Taking fat from your arse and injecting it in your lips. People yeah. do that. Fuck. Uh, well, this is this goes back to well, uh, to give credit to the author, I was reading. There's uh, this is an amazing book, right? I totally recommend it. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm like sort of one quarter way through, and it's called A Curious History of Sex by Kate Lister. And I got to a chapter where she was talking about how, like, in the late 19th century to up until like the 1920s, there was some scientists that we're looking into and this is where it connects with your film, the Hammer Horror film, it pre- prolonging or extending the life of your, your life force by injecting parts of like testicles or semen into your veins. That is interesting, yeah, because obviously he was injecting <laughs> he was, parts of like wombs into wombs, himself. So, slivers yeah. of wombs, but in this case they thought it would be like the virility of like goat semen or (laughs) (laughs) so I'll just say right so to start it off I'm quoting from her book here so it's the early 20th century saw a medical craze for surgically rejuvenating aging men by operating on their genitals to increase the amount of semen or sex hormones in the body. So it's sort of like a hormone, an early hormone replacement therapy for men. But women got it as well. Probably not as much as the men like that. So depending on which physician you opt to visit, this could mean being subjected to a bilateral vasectomy or having a monkey testicle grafted into your scrotum. What? Why? Like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> same question. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of sad for the monkeys, though. These were the early days of endocrinology and hormone replacement therapy. So there was a a guy who started it off called, I don't know his first name, but he's he's called Brown Sequard. And he started to experiment. This is the late 19th century. He started to experiment on animals. It's always animals that fucking suffer because humans are like vain, terrible, evil creatures. Yeah. And he was trying to, this is bizarre, right? He was trying to graft parts of guinea pigs into male dogs and injecting aging rabbits with the blood of semen, no, the blood or semen taken from the testicles of younger rabbits. What the fuck? So he would, what some guinea pigs was he putting in dogs? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, honestly, it's like the island of Dr. Moreau shit where he's trying to make creatures into like hybrid things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Ooh. why would you? That is just um, the actual pit. Such a mad scientist thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. what the fuck it's are like, you doing? I wonder mate? what this will do. <laughs> Let's yeah. Do this to that and put this in here. And nobody's, see what nobody's like actually like overseeing what this guy's doing to stop him. But I'll, I'll get to something simple like on that point. So he was doing that. He was also because the theory was if you took like the the balls of a younger bull and grafted it onto an older bull it would rejuvenate that bull and make it more virile and, and it'll last longer and make it seem younger. Oh, really? 
according to them, said was this to, to the three kinds of substance... To, right, this is him talking. So he said, to the three kinds of substances I have just named, I added distilled water in a quantity which never exceeded three or four times their volume. So that sounds like homeopathy to me. The oh. crushing was always done... After the crushing, what the crushing of the balls? Or I don't know what it's Whose balls are they crushing? The animal or the person? Fucking animals, I think. Oh, um, cool. was always done after the addition of water. When filtered through a paper filter, the liquid was of a reddish hue and rather opaque. For each injection, I have used nearly one cubic centimeter of the filtered liquid. Immediately after these injections, Brown Sicard reported being able to work for longer hours, experienced an increase in mental focus, and at the age of 72, he could run up and down the stairs. <laughs> I mean, just just for, for fuck's sake, thank God we've got Red Bull these days, or coffee, or exactly. just have a fucking coffee, mate. Oh, my God. Like, Imagine that's what's in Red Bull. Oh, well, like, wasn't there a rumour that there was, like, actual bill semen? I'm sure that was when they first got... <laughs> Sorry, it was not that's bill, why it's called yeah, Red Bull. Bill yeah. semen extract in it. That's I don't think there is any more, but I'm sure when they first... It was a Taiwanese guy that went to Redville? It contained a bull semen extract to give you energy, so maybe there is something. Well, there was a big fad in the 1920s for like, um, creams or things like that that had bull testicle glands in them or monkey glands that you put on your face to make, take away your wrinkles and things. I mean, if, you, if someone said to you, yes, this doesn't work... But it, it comes from actual monkey bollocks mixed in with cream. Would you put it on your face if it made you look beautiful? Has it been like put through a chemical lab so it's no longer that actual thing and it's just like a chemical? It? No, it's monkey bollocks. <laughs> it was literally just like ground up mon- okay, monkey yeah. bollocks. Mixed with cream, yeah. No, you're all right. <laughs> I mean, women tend to. I mean, I don't know. I've had facials, so like you know, man batter put in my face and good for you. I'm sure that is just stuff guys say to convince you that it's good for you. Well, it's good for your skin. Well, it's got protein in it. Yeah, it's got protein. Good for your ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, okay, I fell for that then. Uh, the man. <laughs> the man responsible for making surgical rejuvenation mainstream was a Russian guy. He was born in Russia, but uh, he somehow, like, they called him a French surgeon. So, he, well, I don't know. He's got a sort of Russian-French name. He's called Ooh. Serge Voronov, and Good he was name. born in 1866 and died in 1951. So he did live a long time. Got to give him that. Voronov was a laboratory director of the prestigious Collage de France, and when he made his name implanting monkey testicles into men... So on Voronov, he was a respected gynaecologist and had pioneered a new surgical techniques in le, I'm shit at French, le foulée de chirurgie et de gynaecologie, some sort of French word for college of gynaecologists or something. Influenced by the work of Brown Sequoir, Voronov began experimenting on animals to see if grafting testicle glands from one animal into the body of another held rejuvenating properties. Fuck's sake. Convinced that it did, he presented his findings to the French Surgical Congress in 1919. Le Petit Parisien reported his findings the next day. 
Dr. Serge Voronoff, Director of Physiology Laboratory at the Collège de France, offered a stunning communication to the Surgical Congress yesterday. I can't believe the quotes. He claims to have rejuvenated and reinvigorated (laughs) ageing goats and rams by grafting an inter- Stitchal gland taken from one of their own species. I mean, at least it's their own species, right? But he, he moves on to more mad shit. I mean, he escalates it. The entire human race will benefit from the success of Mr. Voronoff's projects since he's working hard to obtain similarly successful results while operating on aging men by grafting the interstitial gland of a monkey. It does not matter what gland these might be if their introduction through the Oh, no, I don't know what that is. Through the scalpel of Dr. Voronoff. Surely he found that the experiment works in animals. <laughs> well, it works in animals where they used the gland from the same animal. Uh-huh. Then why would it work in humans if they used the gland of a monkey? Right. Well, this is the answer for this. OK, oh. so naturally, like Dr. Hyde and the, the uh, Dr. Jekyll in the film, he has he moves on to human subjects Uh, so he moved on to transplanting the testicles of executed criminals into millionaires god that's set up to like a really shit joke yeah but when demand outstrips supply he turned to using monkey testicles tissues instead so he didn't quite go down the route of like killing rent boys or sex workers yeah. He just thought, well, I'm not going to be able to. There's not enough people getting guillotines for me to take their bollocks. So I'll just have to get the next best thing, which is like monkeys and apes, because they're closer to humans, apparently. And his head, his fucked up head. So Voronoff's later work included transplants of monkey monkey ovaries into women. Oh and God. then he went even more mental. Like later on, after his whole experiment with like transplanting monkey glands into male uh, testicles, when they dismissed him as a lunatic, basically, he then tried to reverse the experiment, transplanting a human ovary into a female monkey, and then tried to inseminate the monkey with human sperm. Hopefully that was wrong. This guy should be fucking jailed. Yeah, that's that's so bad. Yeah, I don't understand. Like. <laughs> so he it's ran out. Of, he had to use monkey glands because he ran out of human <laughs> glands. So then he started using female monkey glands on women, and then women's ovaries in a monkey so that he could get a monkey pregnant. With okay. sperm. That's not insane at all. That's it. Yeah, I think he's just lost his fucking mind by that point. <laughs> so yeah, nobody's putting any checks on him. So after repeating his experiment hundreds of times on sheep, dogs, and bulls. In 1920, Voronoff began transplanting monkey glands into humans. He had originally wanted to use human testicles. This is from um, the the book. I'm going back to Kate Lister because when I mentioned that he went like for criminals and experimenting on monkeys with their ovaries and that, that was from Wikipedia. But this is back to the Kate Lister book. Where's he going to get all these monkeys from? Because obviously they don't just cut about France. So where do you think he was going to get them, or what was he going to do? Yeah, I, I, I like. I this is gonna be where it gets dark. Uh, I don't want to know this. <laughs> so, like... eventually, he had to buy a monkey colony near Nice to keep up with the demand. But some people also said that because he, he made shitloads of money off of this, off of off of gullible millionaire men, that like you know old men that marry young women or whatever, and yeah. 
they want the equivalent of Viagra, but there wasn't any Viagra around then, so they thought that by having like virile monkey balls, that it would make them like have sexy times again with their ladies <laughs> and not be impotent old men. So they paid him shitloads of money. So he had enough money that he built his big castle, and then they said that in the grounds of his castle, he built like a big monkey colony. So he bred them for the purpose of where did he, off their where balls. Where did he get them from? Like the ones well, that he then bred. He must have got them from that monkey colony near Nice. Yeah. So that was just like um, monkeys that were living in a zoo somewhere. And then he must have bought some and then bred them, you know, like they do in labs for that purpose. It gets pretty horrific because the poor, the poor chimps, I mean, these are chimpanzees, not monkeys, yeah. basically they're apes. So the chimp's testicle would be removed and finely cut into longitudinal segments, so long kind of strips, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like so it's not like he's taking, yeah, it's not like he's taking the entire monkey bollocks and then just completely transport planting that into the man. It's basically like, you know, the, the film, like what Jekyll does, he takes a sliver of it and then what he does is he grafts it. So an incision was then made into the patient's scrotum. Mark, how's this sound? It's the only man here. To I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's not like this is the bit there. I would be like, oh no, now I'm, now I'm a no. I've, I've been a no since the start. I thought maybe this would make you more interested. All right, okay. So an incision was then made in the patient's scrotum to expose the testicles and the membranes. I don't know whether they're awake during this procedure or if they're. That's what I was going to ask. Like, I, it doesn't say. I, I bet. I, I just. I don't even want to imagine. So the cut up chimp testes were then. So he sort of mashed up these into like a chimpanzee testis testicle mash. Mashed potato type thing, I think. Oh, That's God. Tagratelli type thing. And they're oh. implanted underneath the tunica vaginalis membrane. I mean, I don't remember that in bi- biology, but I guess it is part of the testes. And the incision was then sewn back up. The theory was that the monkey glands would be absorbed directly into the patient's own sex glands. And then the monkey was euthanized. They just kill off the monkey. That, that was going to be my next question. So, like, what happens to the monkey? He kills them. Oh. you imagine how many monkeys died? Yeah. Eight. I don't know if it's more theory, it could be like, oh, if you've got a dodgy eye, I can just cut off a little bit of the monkey's eye and drop it on your <laughs> fucking like, yeah. I don't know if it's more cruel to kill them or to like let them live like that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Oh, God, this is horrible. So oh, God. He even had like a testimonial book in 1924. Mm. He had a book called 43 Graphs from Monkey to Man. <laughs> Oh, God. Get at your local library, kids. Oh, he meticulously detailed his many successes. You know how like, you get in infomercials where you get all these yeah. people say how amazing the, the item is or the cream mm. or whatever that works for them? So this is kind of like his version of that in the 20s. So one of his many successes that he claimed was a 74-year-old Englishman called Arthur Lyardet. Voronoff grafted a baboon's bobble <laughs> or bobby into Arthur. Leardet in 1921 and declared his man has truly been rejuvenated by 15 or 20 years. Now, when he says his man, does he mean his, his, like, his wee man, his penis, or is he talking about... Yeah, like, that's, a, that's a weird the, word to use. Yeah, does that mean, like, <laughs> like as his man? Or, yeah, they saying his penis has been rejuvenated. Surely you would just say that was rejuvenated, but then why would you describe yourself like as belonging to yourself? Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. He's just his his dick. Did did he do the thing on himself? 
No, no, this is war enough that did this to this guy, Arthur, and he's no, so you know how this Warnoff guy's doing it to all these other people? Did he ever do it to himself? Oh, I don't like know. if he believes in it that much, does he ever do it to himself? No, it doesn't actually say. Oh. But the first guy I spoke about did. He injected yeah. semen actually in his arms, which is crazy. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Know. Oh, n- none of this really makes sense. <laughs> but like that really <laughs> doesn't literally doesn't make any sense. Yeah, just that one <laughs> bit was confusing. <laughs> So this Arthur Lee that said his physical state, genital vitality and all has radically changed from the results of the testicular transplant that transformed a senile old man, powerless and pitiful, into a vigorous man with all his capacities, including hard-ons. Despite being transformed from tottering old age to the activity of a man in the prime of life, Leodart died just two years later. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Must have been all that pumping he was doing, you know. Imagine that. At least these last two years were happy. You think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think the idea of putting an animals, but then people do have pig hearts inside them. Is that any more yeah. weird than balls grafted onto you? But that's like, like a physical replacement, though. Like it's it's well, a heart for a heart, not a. Oh well, yeah. Like coming up nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) So, what does the scientific community think about this at the time? They were less and less convinced that sewing monkey balls into an old man's scrotum was a good thing. I wonder why. (laughs) I wonder why. (laughs) Scientists, maybe they were just all yelling, making all that money. See if he said if he said that there was a chemical that was in there, and he'd taken that chemical and refined it, and that chemical had a certain Mm-hmm. Like influence on your body, I could understand that. But just taking the actual thing and sewing it onto yourself—that's just daft. <laughs> yeah, but then I suppose maybe to the person who's getting it done, it 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 seems more it's like a placebo. Yeah, I, that's what I think it yeah. is. It's like a placebo effect. Okay. Like maybe back then they seen monkeys as sort of like <laughs> Call you, you know, like things. King Kong, you know, yeah. virile and like just animal passion, yeah. not animal passion but animal magnetism or something that that somehow gave them a bit of that and i suppose a lot of like (laughs) sexual dysfunctions and guys Uh are psychological aren't they like there's probably quite a high percentage that are so maybe that was why there was a high percentage that was were successful because Mm. yes like you say as it was a placebo it was tricking them into thinking that the problem next when really the problem was in their head in the first place yeah i think you've definitely yeah Okay. But these are smart people, unlike the people who did that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That I got. So I what they said, what scientists began trying to replicate Veronoff's Ver- remarkable success, and none of them could. Mm-hmm. A French veterinary surgeon, Henri Villou, he experimented with testicular grafting on sheep to try and improve their health, but found this only resulted in grumpy sheep. <laughs> Him off a little bit. He presented his findings before the French Veterinary Academy in 1929, where he called Voronoff delusional. Similar studies in Australia and Germany also found gland grafting produced no positive effects. To make matters worse, Voronoff was denied. Now, this is where I'm kind of proud of my country for once. He was denied a license to operate in Britain on grounds of animal cruelty. 
good. So not an insanity to human beings, but no. animal cruelty. Well, yeah, I mean, he's fucking with her, he's killing her chimps and stuff I like that. And like that part is terrible, but more that you're probably doing something horrific to humans as well. It's just like, what are well, you doing? Well, they also said, like, anti-vivisectionists in the UK denounce Voronoff as, mm. quote, an offence against morality, hygiene yeah. and decency. So, yeah. Yeah, that for once. All of it's horrific. Yeah. Oh dear. Nah, People will never fail to surprise me. <laughs> at least he was a proper like surgeon. He was a medically trained like person. Mm. I know he went mental, but there's an American guy called John Richard Brinkley, and he was born in 1885, and he lived till 1942. He started grafting goat testicles into human subjects, armed only with a bought medical diploma oh and a can-do jacket. Oh my god. He didn't even have any medical qualifications when he started doing this to make money. I think I'm just more shocked that people let him do this. Like... Maybe they heard about the, the success and like they got his book or something or they found out about what would happen in France but they couldn't quite afford it, you know, because it was only millionaires that could afford that. So they went to this guy, like a backstreet abortionist type of thing. Like when people go for like dodgy liposuction things. Yeah. Yeah. So Brinkley became known as the goat gland doctor and he made a great deal of money from convincing men he could restore their erection with a billy goat scruff. <laughs> Wow. Inspired by the work of rejuvenists like Voronoff, Brinkley operated on hundreds of people, men and women. And given he didn't really have the qualifications to be doing so, obviously his people started getting infected yeah. and patients died. Yeah. So he was killing a lot of these people. He didn't know yeah. fucking clue what he was doing. Between 1930 and 1941, Brinkley was sued more than a dozen times for the wrongful death of the patient in his care. Eventually, he was exposed in court as a charlatan and a quack in the ordinary, well-understanding meaning of those words. He was subsequently ruined by an avalanche of lawsuits, and he declared bankruptcy in 1941 and died in poverty the following year. Good. I know, yeah, sounds right. That's it, by 1929, Voronoff claimed to have carried out almost 500 gland transplants, but he'd lost credibility with the public and his peers. New research was disproving his theories. Because they, they didn't, this is interesting, I didn't know this until I was looking at this further, but they didn't discover testosterone until the 1930s. They didn't oh. know what testosterone was until 1937. Yeah. yeah, that's quite interesting. Actually. So that's you why. Go, take a chemical and use that. That's well, yeah, well, that's what you're saying. Like, yeah, he <coughs> yeah. eventually discovered that it was to take it was testosterone that was fueling men, like that was powering men or whatever their vitality or their erections or whatever, not fucking monkey glands. <laughs> so this is why he ended up like being discredited when they discovered like it would maybe if they give them more testosterone or something or up their actual hormones, it would cure things like that. Do not find it funny that these guys are doing all these crazy things? Yeah. And also, there's no such thing as testing. But today, nobody will take a freaking vaccine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point. People were, like, freeing up to get a bit of a monkey's ball so it into them. But... I'm not taking <laughs> that vaccine. vaccine. <laughs> I'd rather have fucking oh, monkey scrotums <laughs> on my clit. Didn't take that vaccine. <laughs> Is that a direct quote from Jenny McCarthy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just so oh, even in those times, people were fucking stupid and daft. Basically, yeah. Yeah, but here's a very interesting point as well. 
So Voronoff is not only responsible for that, but also uh, in a disturbing twist, it has been suggested that the vogue for transplanting monkey tissue into humans may have been responsible for transferring what do you think I'm going to say next? Have Fuck a guess. Off. It's yeah. Seriously. Oh wow. Also, that so makes so that much like, sense. Though. I've always wondered how that started, and apparently it's this fucking cunt's fault because that actually makes sense. You know, because like COVID came from transfer from animals to humans because someone was fucking a pangolin or something. <sighs> Oh, God. I feel like that's just blown my mind a little bit. Yeah. He was transferring semi-immunodeficiency virus, HIV-1, from apes to humans, leading to the global aid crisis today that originated back in Paris in the 20s because of these vain cunts that were thinking... And these guys are shagging about like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell. Spitting about. Fucking hell. That's just really fucked up. So this is where it gets really fucked up, oh, right? God. And this is where I'm going to come towards the end. And this is quite a long podcast, but uh, uh, this is just fucked up. This is a bit where I was like, I've got to talk about this because it's oh. insane. So the holy grail and most expensive of the gland treatments was a full transplant. Men feeling their youth slip away and desperately, they desperately clambered to get their hands on a pair of springy young gonads through legal means or not, to the extent that some were willing to go was laid bare in 1922. On a bright summer morning, listen to this, kids, on a bright summer morning in Chicago, 1922, a man in his early 30s was found unconscious in a doorway at the corner of Ranch Avenue and Adams Street. Unable to rouse him, concerned residents took the man to the local country hospital where he was soon identified (laughs) as... Yeah, <laughs> the local can't work. <laughs> That's the <laughs> I don't know. No, you think that's funny? Wait until you hear what the guy's name is. I can't believe it. The guy's name is Henry Johnson. Unfortunately, <laughs> 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 oh, penis penis had such a terrible malady <laughs> taken to the vagina hospital. <laughs> The cunt hospital. All right, okay. I get you now. So he was an electrical employee who lived with his sister, Beryl Hyber. Johnson, wouldn't it be funny if her name was Beryl Hyman? Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Johnson, no, I shouldn't really laugh because it's not fair on him. Johnson was examined by one of the hospital's surgical interns who discovered that both Johnson's testicles had been removed from the scrotal sac and that the wound had been cleaned with antiseptic and expertly stitched closed. So he still got his scrotum, but the balls inside have been removed. Oh, my God. I know. It's amazing. I don't know how anyone could do it. So what happened was Johnson recalled that he'd been drinking with a friend on Madison Street the night before. His last memory was getting into a streetcar to go home. And after that, everything... The last thing he recalled was hailing a taxi cab to go home. His head ached. He felt disorientated oh. and he had a strong chemical taste in his mouth. Wozniak managed to stagger home to the... Not Wozniak. Like yeah, so basically someone roofied him. Yeah. And then he felt like a severe pain in his groin. He'd grown steadily worse throughout the day. No, this is a different guy. This isn't um, Johnson. There was a guy called Wozniak. I I don't know his first name, 
But the same thing happened to him. And but he Someone didn't go was stealing their balls. Yeah, the a second guy Fuck. that happened to. Um, and again, it was in it was this was in Chicago, and he admitted himself to hospital to be treated by a doctor, Sam Polinsky, who discovered that Wozniak's testicles had also been removed. The strong chemical taste that Wozniak had in his mouth was chloroform. So shocked, the doctor called the police. And as soon as the media picked up the story, Joseph Wozniak was reported around the world as a victim of, like, this is something like the Sun would report, gland larceny instead of grand larceny. (laughs) Poor bastard. Wozniak's drinking buddy, Kaczynski, was missing, and police believed he must have suffered a similar fate to his friend but was too embarrassed to come forward or had gone into hiding. Upon reading, I think his friend might have been involved in it, though. What if he was, like, sold his mate out? To if he never found his friend, surely he was just dead. Like, did they not think maybe or, they tried to remove his testicles and accidentally nicked something and they'd killed him? Because Possibly, like a Jack the Ripper situation. Yeah, maybe. Or he sold his mate out and then went away in hiding cause he, with his money that he was given for it, I think, maybe. Upon reading about the Wozniak case in the papers, Henry Johnson came forward to report his attack. It quickly became apparent that not only were these cases linked, but they were mostly carried out by the same surgeon. It was believed that the outrage was committed by a gang of thieves to supply the new demand for glands for human rejuvenation. The greatest thing that... In- Indignation prevails in Chicago medical circles. Dr. Sam Polinsky, who was also called in to treat Wozniak, said that the removal of the glands was made presumably to supply the want of some wealthy, aged patient. Wozniak, who was a Polish war veteran, informed the police that he met a stranger who appeared to take an interest in him. And when he learned that Wozniak was hunting for a job, he gave him two quid, which I suppose would be quite a lot of money back then, and treated him to several drinks. He ordered a taxi cab to drive me home, says Wozniak. Four men were in the taxi cab, and before I knew what had happened, a sack was thrown over my head, and I lost consciousness. When I regained consciousness, I was in a vacant house. My mind was befuddled, and I did not know at first that I had been operated on. I was dazed from the drink. Then I tasted chloroform in my mouth and felt intense pain, and I managed to get home and called the doctor, told me what had happened to me. Horrible. The following year... Yeah. It's totally mental. They, Ladies, if you think that's like getting your drink spikes, imagine you wake up and your fucking tits have been cut off or something. I don't know. What would you do? Or your woman being taken out? I think sometimes that had happened to women like who were pregnant. Someone tried to cut yeah. out their babies. Yeah. There's been stuff like... like I think there was a woman ate... Black market. Yeah, like black market organs. Oh, taking like your liver, like, your organs. Yeah. That still happens, I think. Yeah, it does. The following yeah. year... There were two more attacks within 24 hours of each other. Taxi driver Charles Reem, come on, he's called Reem, was drugged and had... (laughs) That's the most unbelievable bit of this entire story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So he was drugged and had both his testes removed. And John Powell, I mean, there's nothing funny about that name, of North Chicago was also mutilated, but he escaped with his testes intact. So they couldn't get his testicles out of him. Have yeah, to too hardcore. Yeah, too hardcore. <laughs> Leading physicians in the field of rejuvenation were swift to condemn and distance themselves from such barbarism. Voronoff himself stated that, I mean, he's got fucking cheek. He's putting sperm in like, female monkeys. <laughs> he said that uh, the surgeon who did it should be compelled to suffer a like fate himself. The case sent Chicago residents into a panic 
and the police braced themselves for an epidemic of gland robberies, like the Birkin hair epidemic in the UK. I like how they call it an epidemic. <laughs> like all these men are like, watch your balls, you're going to get, you know, like the campaign for women to watch their drinks in the clubs. It's like men, watch out for your balls being taken off. <laughs> Don't protect them. Uh, fortunately, the epidemic never came, but the attackers were never caught, so they never found out who was doing this. Like Jack the Ripper was never caught, I suppose. And finally, that was out back in the 1930s, right? But there was an actual recent story of a guy this happened to. So <laughs> the headline I just gave you like the craziest look and then realised that you can't yeah, see can't see. <laughs> <laughs> So in an article in the Metro, the newspaper, the free newspaper Metro, on that was published on Thursday the 26th of February in 2015, the headline says, Married TV actor wakes up to find his testicles have been stolen after kissing young women in sauna. <laughs> so they're still doing it. Dmitry Nikolaev, 30, is believed to be the target of a gang, including a doctor, which may have been harvesting organs to sell in the black market. He had a drink with a young blonde woman he met at a bar in Moscow theatre before she invited him to a sauna. A police source told the website they kissed and had some beer and more beer after that, and then the actor remembers nothing. They believe his drink was spiked. He woke up the next day at a bus stop in acute pain and noticed blood on his trousers. At the, ho- at the hospital, staff told him that his testicles had been removed and it appeared the operation had been done by a medical professional. Police believe the gang is stealing human organs to sell in the black market. Or is it the same gang from the 1930s and somehow they've unlocked the key to like life and the only yeah. way they do it is the testicles. testicles. That oh, God. But they only need four testicles every, like, yeah. 18 years, 16 years, <laughs> 70 years. That took me quite a long time to work out there. Yeah, so that's the end of that then. That was my story it's about it's men's testicles getting stolen. I feel a bit traumatised after today's episode. Do you know that? I've loved it. Love just a bit, like... <laughs> what's wrong with people like people need to like stop being fucked up like, I think like um, people have been fucked up like, shit for that for a long time oh. like um, Elizabeth Bathory back in the, the 16th century she thought that by cutting open virgins that and bathing in their blood and showering in their blood that she would have like nice rejuvenated skin so women are just fucked up <laughs> yeah no I know I know <laughs> Anyways, anyways, anyways. Yeah, that's nearly two hours now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm so hungry now. <laughs> it has been long, but I feel like it's been very interesting. Yeah, it's been really, like, I feel like I've just learned so much stuff today as well. Yeah, I mean, I was blown away by that AIDS revelation as well. I was just like, yeah. fucking hell, just because of men's vanity, that's how. Yeah. It's that, not a, it's not a gay plague. It's fucking straight men want to bang their women. Yeah. That started all that shit. Yeah, that's, that, yeah. Wow. wow. Oh, okay. Well, I okay. actually what should we title it? Sisters, but yeah. um, uh, I think we should call it Hiding Walls, Stealing Balls and Having Walls. Hiding in Walls, Stealing Your Balls? <laughs> and yeah, having walls. I quite like that. Yeah, that's good. Walks. Send, that, like send that. that to me before yeah. I forget it. <laughs> Hold on, I will write it tonight before I that's forget it. That's a good one. Right. That is a good one. Um, I don't know if people will make people listen, but uh, I would be intrigued. Oh my God. <laughs> like that. Right, we need to quickly pick our topic for next week and yeah. then get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I know. I've got my sister's in Ireland. I've been up here for like two and a half hours. Aww. Oh. 
that's okay. I want to go to Ireland. I've never been. Sounds like mm. a magical place. Is she out in the countryside? She's literally in the village that has 400 oh, people. Oh, it's <laughs> a really, really good Irish pub. It's got two pubs. It's got a whole oh. two pubs and a post office and a uh, pharmacist. And apparently it's a big deal with pharmacist. If they've got a leprechaun. <laughs> Irish people are gonna fucking hate me for saying no. that. I may as well say the leprechauns. Yeah. Well, the leprechauns that are listening will be happy that they've got a shout out. So. <laughs> There's like full on mafia in this area though, so it's a bit. Oh, yeah. the leprechaun mafia. <laughs> no, no, like actual like basically Fire, one right? the, the the big company that's here has got like a lot of politics in it. So. Like, mm. Okay. But I will leave that fair. Yeah. Politics are run by mafia <laughs> bastards. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, uh, yeah, let's pick him. Uh, number two. Okay, that was nice and easy. <laughs> stuff from China. <laughs> Chinese maths, Chinese oh, okay. legends, Chinese. What, stuff. like COVID 19? Oh. According to that, you <laughs> <laughs> through the fucking door. <laughs> oh my god. I think <laughs> this came off the, the Pokemon type stuff, actually. Yes, I think uh, you're right. Yeah. Think, yeah. Okay, that sounds good. Chicken fried rice. Okay. Cool. I tried to make chicken fried rice yesterday and it was a fucking disaster. Like I'd prepped it all, I had the chicken, I had the rice cooked, and I went to I'd beaten the eggs and I went to pick up the rice to put in the frying pan and it slipped out my hands and fell to the floor and smashed everywhere. So that was that. Mm. Disaster. I'm like a fucking jack off Saurus. Anyway, right, well, hope you enjoyed that. Men, hold on to your balls. Bye. 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 Bye.